0: this evening we're going to be turning our attention on something a little bit different than what the season really seems to bring about. As we consider so much that the world wants to throw at us, we hear all the buzz is around Santa Claus. And so for tonight, for just a little bit, I'd like to turn our attention away from Santa Claus and instead turn our attention towards the Savior's cause. That's really the reason we're all here gathered in this spot on a Sunday evening on Christmas Eve, it's to, to remember the Savior's cause, the reason that He came. And so, as we shift our focus to that spot, I'm going to go to a place and read that's maybe a little bit uncommon to go on Christmas Eve, uh, but that's kind of what we do here. So Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, states this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. To redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Beautiful words written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Galatia, but they're also appropriate right here tonight. You see, the story about uh, this evening, the reason why we celebrate this particular night in our Western Christianity, really didn't begin uh, with Jesus' birth. It actually began all the way back 4,000 years prior to that day. If you go with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, this is where it began. This is... God speaking now to Satan after he had deceived Eve, and he speaks to both of them. And what he states in Genesis 3, verse 15, is I will put enmity or war between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Your Bibles, you might notice, it's a capital S. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so at that point, the promise of a Savior was given from Genesis chapter 3. And what we see is this desire we have to relink, to be reconnected, that we study and we spend time religiously trying to relink ourselves, what we find is it wasn't ever possible through a religion. It was always all about a relationship. This was always about a relationship that we could have, and the only way we could be reconnected was through a perfect sacrifice. And so the promise that was given to uh Eve back in Genesis that was then transmitted to Abraham and then on to Moses and then on to King David, we find uh, we arrive here in the story of Jesus there in the manger. And so over the last several Sundays, we've spent looking at Luke chapter 1 and 2 as we see the plans coming forth. And we spent time in Luke 2 this morning as Jesus was brought about on the earth. What we find here in Galatians chapter 4 is that He was born under the law. What it means that He was born under the law, specifically speaking of the law of Moses Now, when we look at the law of Moses, what we find is uh, we often think about the Ten Commandments, right? Exodus chapter 20, we've got the top ten list, but the reality is the law of Moses, there are actually 613 commands. There are 613 commandments in the law. We can't keep the top ten list. We struggle with that piece. And so we've got this broken relationship, but then we find Jesus enters onto the scene. Jesus was the Perfect sacrifice, but He also lived the perfect life. He was the one who was able not only to abide by the law, but to actually fulfill the law. Fulfillment happened through Him and through His perfect life. And as a result, He was able to redeem us from the law. Beautiful promise because none of us could keep 613, not even the top 10 commandments. And so here in Galatians chapter 4, Paul says, when the fullness of time had come, when the fullness of time had happened, Jesus' timing to come 2,000 years ago was perfect. It was exactly the right time. But so often we think that we have good timing, don't we? We think that our time is better. We, we will often pray and cry out to the Lord, the time is now. But as I consider uh, time and perfect timing, I was brought back to when I was some of your age. About 11, 12 years old, we went to a friend of mine's house. His name was uh, Tim Hensick, and he lived in Casey, Illinois, out on Oakleaf Road. And as uh, boys would gather together, there were about 8 or 10 of us, 11 and 12-year-olds, and I don't know if you know this, but there's such a thing called the law of diminishing brains as it relates to boys. And what it means is, um, if you have one boy, you have one brain. If you have two boys, you have a half a brain. Three boys, a third of a brain. Four boys, a fourth. You get the idea. And so you can imagine now you've got ten boys gathered together. We're operating on a tenth of a brain. Not much brain activity happening at all. And so as we were beginning to play on this hot summer day with water balloons, one of them got thrown out into the road, and we saw it splash down Oakleaf Road, and, oh, that was awesome. And so the idea was, let's throw more out in the road. And so eventually we're throwing them out in the road, but we had to stop as cars passed. But then the idea came to us. What if, what if we had perfect timing? And we could make contact with the car as it drove by. And so time and time again, we'd call out that a car came by, a balloon would get launched, and it would miss until the opportunity came for me to make the toss. And from back... In the middle of Tim Hensick's yard, I made the journey through the perfect throw as it came up over the horizon, and this little red sedan began to head our way. And the timing looked better and better. You began to actually hear the words or the song from *Chariots of Fire*: "Pum pum 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 pum." Shh. Dun, 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 dun. Just as it made contact with the windshield of this little red sedan, and the crowd went wild. All of us cheered. Yes until we saw taillights. And man, I'd never seen a middle-aged woman move that fast. And and we scattered like cockroaches into the woods behind my friend's house. And she, uh, taking off after us towards the woods, was making promises of things she was going to do to us. She put adjectives together I'd never heard assembled in quite such a way. And so... Uh, These were things she was stating, but then she proved she was much smarter, a crafty veteran, as she didn't chase us through the woods. She went right to my buddy's mom's front door. And it was all over. You see, so many times we think we know about perfect timing, don't we? That we've got a great idea, a scheme that we've got hatched, and we know better. But what I want to share with you tonight is while we think we know about timing, God knows the perfect time. We don't have a clue about the timing, and the way things need to line up. But God knows all these things. And so what we find is God was actually lining things up, assembling things in such a way so that the fullness of time had come, He sent forth His Son. And what do I mean by the fullness of time and things being lined up? Well, if you consider the gospel message that Jesus would bring to us, what would be necessary for the gospel to actually go forth? But it would be nice for the known world to speak essentially a common language, wouldn't it? So the word could be transmitted. And what you find is that in uh, around 300 BC, Alexander the Great conquers the entire known world. And what's he do? But he sends out the Greek word, the Greek culture out into the world at large. And so at the time of Christ, the majority of the world actually spoke, even if it wasn't their native tongue, they spoke Greek. And so not only does the world need to speak a common language, but what else would be nice is if you could get from place to place quickly. This is the ancient world. What do we need? But we need roads. So then you enter into the world, the Roman Empire. They take over from the Greek Empire. What are the Romans known for? Not their arts, not their culture, or their language, but they're known for their Construction abilities. They begin to build unbelievable structures, but more than all that, they construct a road and an infrastructure system exactly what you would need if you were, say, a guy like the Apostle Paul wanting to get to Galatia with the gospel. And so what we find is God's timing is always perfect. Even though we don't always understand it, we can't always see the beginning from the end. What we find is that when we look back on our lives, God was lining stuff up so that languages would line up, so that roads would be built, so that His Word would go forth, so His glory would actually be shown to all the world and so that the most good could happen for the most people. Now, in verse 6, what we read here is, so the Lord... Oh, excuse me, that's Genesis chapter 4. We're about to study the whole Bible right there. All right, (laughs) I wasn't kidding about 45 minutes. And verse 6, and because you are sons... God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So as Jesus comes, to as the only begotten of the Father, as He gives His life, the perfect sacrifice, 33 years after this night that we're celebrating tonight, we now have the ability to call on God, not just to call on Him, but to actually call Him Abba. Or in the Hebrew, that word is Daddy. I mean, think about that. The God of the universe, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can now go to Him and we can call Him Dad. We can run into Him. In fact, what would be written in the letter to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. I'll actually start in verse 14. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. What that verse right there states and says to me and speaks to my heart is that when I'm in need, I can go right into my Father's throne room. I can crawl up on His lap and He will give me mercy and He will give me grace in my time of need. What a beautiful promise as the veil was torn, as Jesus was torn for you and I. And so we see this playing out in Scriptures. Now, lastly, in verse 7, Therefore, you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We are not merely slaves who've been set free. Please understand that. There is a, a peace when we look at our sin that we, we were slaves to our sin and we needed to be freed from that. But as we are freed, as we believe in Jesus and accept Him and we, and we recognize the freedom that He allows me to have over my sin, over my past, I am set free, but I'm not set free just to be a, a freed slave. I'm set free as a son, as an adopted son, is what it said back in verse 5. And the word here in the Greek is hyothesia, And the word literally means a position of a son. And the reason I bring that up is that as Jesus took the position that you and I deserved on the cross, legally that's what we were owed. That's where we should have been nailed. Instead, he took that position and gave to us the position of a son who is adopted into the family. And not just a little baby being brought into the family, but as a full-grown adult. I bring that up because so many times we think, I'm not I'm not old enough, I haven't uh, been a Christian long enough, I, I don't know enough to be considered a full-grown adult, but that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that all rights were given to us as full-grown adults. It would be like, uh, you can imagine Steve... Uh, not Steve Jobs, but you can imagine Bill Gates gives you a call and, and tells you, look, I don't have any children, but I've decided to adopt you and make you a son. And as, your, as my adopted son, you now have a position in the boardroom to make decisions. You now have a position uh, in, on my staff. I'm going to give you a multi million dollar salary. You are set up as one of my sons. But here we're talking about the king of the universe who's saying to us, we are sons and daughters of the king seated with Him in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. It's all at our fingertips, and all He asks in exchange is for us to simply believe. This is all He asks out of us. Not that we have to get it right every single time. He's just asking for us to believe and to trust Him to change us from the inside out. All this, what we say is, it doesn't make us equal to Jesus. It's important to note that. This adoption of sons doesn't make me equal to Him. He is the only begotten of the Father. So as I pray to Him, it's important when I pray, I'm not called to pray to just order God around. And oftentimes, I think my prayers sound like this, Lord, bless this, do this, provide this, like I'm ordering God around. But instead, as we're called to pray, it's not so that we can pray prayers of manipulation, but instead to pray prayers for unification. What God actually wants out of us is for us to be unified with Him in the Spirit. And as I allow that to happen, I can be unified to Him, be a part of Him, and actually be in His will. And here's the beautiful thing. When I begin to pray prayers like, Nevertheless, not my will, but Thy will be done. Your kingdom come, Your will be done. Lord, I trust You enough that I trust You in my life that Your will is perfect for me. Here's the beautiful thing Spurgeon would say. When your will is God's will, your will, uh, you will have your will. (laughs) When your will is God's will, you will have your will. We want our prayers answered. When we pray, Lord, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. His will is going to happen. His timing is always perfect. And his desire is to actually unify us and draw us into himself. And so, Father, we thank you so much for your perfect timing. Thank You, Lord Jesus, that we can celebrate Your coming. But more than all that, thank You, Lord, for Your sacrifice. Thank You that John the Baptist could cry out, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Lord, the world, we need You. We need You badly. Thank You so much for what You have done and what You continue to do in our lives. Tonight, we want to just glorify your name we want to glorify that evening where the fullness of time had come you were born of a woman under the law so that we could actually be freed from the law that we could not keep father we just praise you tonight in jesus name amen